first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Welcome everyone to GRQ number podcast number 55. We're back in action. I've got Stuart alongside me, uh, helping me out. Well, not even more than helping me out, Stuart. You're uh, part you. of the part of the show now. Thank you. It's uh, it's taken a while for us to get back on the airwaves or on the video waves. However, uh, you may see uh, maybe seeing us. Uh, life's been a little bit busy, so um, but we're uh, we've had people calling out for where is the uh, where's the show when you're coming back on air. So we've got to do right by the listeners and the followers and the and the connections that we have and and uh, and we always wanted to get back on, didn't we, Stu? Well, I think you definitely wanted to get back on and talk to the fans again and keep uh, the conversation going about golf rules and how important they are. Yeah, and we've had plenty, plenty come up, especially in the last three or four months. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, been itching to get back on. So, um, shall, where shall we start, Stuart? Where's a good place to start since mm-hmm. we've got so much material? Well, I think um, we can go back to the Players' Championship held recently, and there's a few situations there that I think are worth talking about, which, of course, you've posted on your YouTube channel. We can talk about uh, each of those in turn, if you wish. All right, good start. And it was a good tournament for the Australians as well. And incredibly, they seem to have a pretty good record there too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cameron Smith ending up winning that tournament. So good on you, Cameron. Now, um, we don't have uh, Roscoe with background bingo, but if anyone knows where... Uh, the photo in the background of Stuart's is. They're more than welcome to send in a comment and, and have a guess. Uh, pretty iconic uh, course, pretty iconic region, uh, that one. It's a mecca, a golfing mecca. There you go. That's that's the only hint you're uh, allowed to give out. <laughs> um, now, which uh, what's the first one we're going to get into? Well, let's do Lahiri. That's a pretty straightforward one. He's uh, unplayable. Um, you want to uh, on the par three. You want to talk about the incident for the uh, for those listening in. Yeah, yeah sure. So um, just a par three, hit his tee shot way right into some really really thick bushes. I think he exhausted almost his entire three minute search time with assistance. They found I think one or two other balls which were then identified as not his ball. They eventually found it. Clearly unplayable. And then uh, I think there was a referee on hand to go through his options for taking unplayable ball relief under 19.2. And I think he's probably considered all those three options and he eventually took one of those. And I was going to ask you about uh, those options as well. But um, yeah, and he's eventually taken unplayable ball, hit his third or well, penalty of one stroke, then playing his third onto the, onto the green, which in the end was actually a pretty incredible shot uh, to execute what he had to do. 
to get over a fair few palm trees and trees. Got over the palm trees, got over the lunch, uh, yep. the lunch tables, got over the spectators. He definitely on... interrupted a few people's uh, dining plans that day. <laughs> got, uh, I think he was looking for lunch himself. So got <laughs> over the uh, the palm trees, put on the green, but ended up making a double, uh, which sort of really curtailed his uh, leaderboard hopes or uh, leader hopes. So, uh, yeah. So I took uh, the back on the line relief there and worked out a yardage from the flag that suited him the best. And then he got to drop it within the one club length, uh, no nearer the hole of that reference point. So. Then with those relief options, we know there's three of them under 19.2. So you can obviously do what, he did go back on the line. You can do the lateral relief to glove lengths from where the ball currently sits. And of course, the third option is previous place played. And I would think in order, if you went all around the world of golf, the order of which they would be taken up would be probably lateral, would be the most commonly used, followed by back on the line. And I think a distant third would be previous place played. And I think it's probably so infrequently used. I almost think sometimes players don't even think about it as an option. And they think about why would I give up all that distance that I've just gained from that stroke to even bother going all the way back? I'm just wondering if that's ever been your experience or even just socially that people don't even think about why would you go back all that distance to play another shot under the penalty of one stroke when I can drop it somewhere here, even though it may be a disadvantage to do so? Uh, actually, that's a really good point. Uh, I haven't had too many people call their ball unplayable and go back to their previous place played unless they hit it in the jungle. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this, but Kevin Nah, when he had his 16 on a hole, uh, he hit his first one way right. And then his biggest mistake was trying to hit the next shot because then, as you know, he's changed his last place played or previous plays played, whichever way you want to say it. Um, mm. So by changing his previous plays played, he now doesn't have, have that option to go back to the tee. And in a jungle, uh, you know, whereas sometimes you might be behind a tree and you can go back to the other fairway, or as Lahiri did, he sort of went back into the, what do they call them, concession stands or <laughs> yep. lunch area. Um, he went back there and, you know, a lot of holes are, are beside each other and they can... Um, you almost drop on fairway. Yeah, correct. So, and then just all you got to do is hit over a tree or hit around a tree or whatever it is. But uh, with Kevin, um, you know, he was it was just back into the jungle. So back on the line wasn't really an option. Um, the two club links, I think he even might have taken a two club links to try and get into a bit more of a clearing, but it was a real... A real mistake but yeah it doesn't it doesn't happen that often that people will choose 19.2a um, they're more likely to choose 19.2c as you said and then and then b and may i don't know if it's an ego thing maybe mm. you know I, I think you're definitely right about they don't they've give they've taken all this distance they don't want to give up all this distance i mean if it was a penalty area you know you get that option 
it'd be very rare to go back to the tee for a penalty area. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just thought it's probably an option that doesn't even pop into someone's head. Yeah. Um, yeah. About going all the way back. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm. If you're a referee going up to someone, obviously uh, you're going to offer that option. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably going to look at you strangely or not even consider it. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember that one of the things you taught me is whatever you do, don't provide any sort of commentary on, on what they should be doing as a referee. What, you mean don't go up there and go, if I were you, correct, exactly. If That's I were you, I would drop it within two clubbings. If I were you, I'd go back to the tee because you are rooted. Or, or worse, I can't believe you're over here. Oh, yeah. a long way off, you know. Anyway, never. Don't don't say that unless you know the guy. No, of course, I wouldn't be offering any commentary. Mm. Um, but yeah, what are, what are we got? I think that was a pretty straightforward. What do we got next? Pretty straightforward. I think one that caught the player by surprise. A fair bit, and I think it's an incredibly harsh penalty, but it was absolutely a penalty every day of the week, and that was Keegan Bradley on the 16th hole at the Players' Championship on that incredibly windy day who was at the front of the green um, and hit a very, very long putt to a pin right at the back left. And when he's gone up there, incredibly windy, the flag sticks almost on 45 degrees, and he's gone up to mark his ball, and he's obviously paused for some reason. And in that pause, his ball has rolled further away from the hole by about three feet, not very far. Um, his marker is still sitting on the, on the putting green. He then even consults with the other players. And this is what I found incredibly interesting was they did actually discuss it for some time, back and forth a little bit. And he's going, no, I've already marked it. I've heard it so many times. When you've marked your ball on the green, you now own that position own that spot and the only way you can move off that spot is make a stroke or take relief so I've, I now own that spot so sure enough picks his ball back up puts it back on the spot I think he um and then maybe he's lifted or something like that but he's clearly then played from a wrong place so I'd be, I was very intrigued to see anyway that's the that's the scene so you can talk about playing from a wrong place but more importantly about marking your ball on the green and what that means did put it back on that spot, thinking that because he'd marked his ball and the rule, the rule states that it's a mark or I don't even know if it says mark in there, but definitely says lift and replace. So as soon as you've lifted and replaced it, uh, then it owns that spot. That was a weird one because why would you put your mark down and then not pick the ball up? So I spoke to, you know, I was on a group trip last week and I brought this situation up and that was actually quite a common response. Why would you not pick the ball up immediately? Well, your, hand is, that your hand's down there, right? Yeah, it's right there. Your hand is down there with the marker. You mark and lift. You don't mark, Pause. take your hand away, have a look at it and then lift. It was very windy though. It was probably with just bad timing. Was it maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe he was just putting the mark, I'm trying to find excuses for him, but I don't, I don't have any. So then he's, uh, he picked the ball up from where it rolled to and put it back, which is not correct. It's, uh, it was in play, moved by natural forces, play as it lies, because he hadn't marked, lifted and, and replaced lifted. it. Mm. And then, but the, the weird, 
not only the fact that he didn't pick it up straight away when he put the mark down, but even weirder was that he didn't call a referee in. Like, they had a discussion, and, and there would have been a referee there. I mean, we saw for the next one that we're going to talk about, you know, Gary Young was around the 16th green, you know, and so they'll have a referee around there because it's, you know, it's that sort of amphitheater type build-up. Yeah, and, and so you're definitely going to have people around there with all the balls that go in the water on 17. So that to me, that was the strangest. I mean, you know, they pay for referees. The referees are always there. They know that. I don't know why they just didn't, he didn't call someone in. Well, fair to say he probably won't do that again. Yeah. He probably totally understands that rule now. But I'm with you. I mean, the fact that he turned to his other players and they were talking about it for 30 seconds. And, yeah, they just, oh, no, I'm pretty sure of this rule. And, you know, I think he actually, for memory now, picked it up. As in, my marker's already there. Um, I'll just pick it up where it now lies. Um, and then, of course, when it was his turn to play, then put it back where the marker was. But the video's on your YouTube channel anyway. But, um, yeah, I just found it interesting that he didn't call for any assistance. But they're obviously pretty comfortable with their discussion and, yeah, he's obviously in the back of his mind. I've already put the marker down, so it's mine. It's my spot. There's nothing we can, you know, nothing can move that ball off that spot except for me making a stroke. So, yeah, incredible. I'm, again, I don't think he'll do that again. So then it was interesting, um, you know, if you re if you go on social media and you see all the Twitter and everything like that, um, and everyone was just criticising the rule. Oh, why would you make the rule like that? It should be as soon as the mark is down, you know, you've marked the spot. Why would I mean the ball's still in play? The ball's still in play until you lift it. So, you know, why should it be? I I had no issue with the rule. Is that mm. maybe I'm maybe I'm biased because I understand it, but uh and and just agree with it. But well, just, as I also wrote in a in a commentary for another um, the, the group I went on with you last week, I wrote that you hear that on a very windy day and you just got onto the green, it's in a precarious position. You'll hear someone go, oh, hurry up and mark it. Hurry up. What they don't say is hurry up and mark it and lift it. <laughs> so in the back of your mind is just mark it. And that's uh, the key. But of course, we know the rule, that's not the case. Maybe that's just in the back of a lot of people's minds. As soon as that marker is down, you're okay. I mean, um, yeah, which is not true. You know, as soon as the mark is down, it's not true. It's the ball is still in play until you lift it off the green. And Mr. Bradley now knows that all too well. Because yeah, as you right. said in your commentary, you know, halfway through the fourth round or with six holes to play, he's tied for the lead. Yeah. He's incurred a two-strike penalty in round two. Yeah, yeah. They're playing from a wrong place, wrong spot. A two-shot penalty meant a lot when it came down to the final leaderboard too. Mm. Uh, um all good we still we have another one on the 16th hole this was uh this was really interesting this one do you want uh this is daniel Berger. yeah so this is playing his second shot on the 16th hole and he's just pushed it way right gone into the water and um that's a red penalty area and so he would have chosen to take an uh, lateral relief and you're going to correct me here to be 17.1 D3 is the lateral relief option for a red penalty area. And of course, to take that relief option, you need to estimate the last point where it has crossed into that red penalty area. And that's where I think the fun began. 
because the other players in that group, I know Victor Hovland was one, I forget the name of the other, you'll know the other guy, um, who just disagreed with the point at which Daniel had estimated where it crossed into the penalty area. So before Daniel obviously marked that his relief area and, you know, perhaps put a T in the ground to say, this is my reference point, I'm going to drop here. Obviously there was some pretty vigorous discussion about where that point was for him to then proceed under that relief option and, and take relief. And then obviously a referee was called and I'm interested in your perspective from a, from a referee's perspective on that situation. Uh, but that's the scene anyway, that's what's happened. So there was quite a discussion for a reasonable period of time about where that point should be for him to take his uh, relief. Yeah, I mean, it was a, yeah, on the, it's an interesting hole because it's a dog leg right to left off the tee. Then you'd almost kind of say that it's just kind of because the green sticks out to the right, it kind of has this bit of a dog leg or burn um, left to right at the end. And then he's hit this left to right shot, and he's saying that it was a massive slice right at the end. So it's gone straight for, you know, what he's saying is gone straight for about 200 meters, and then it's taken a left turn gone straight right mm. a right turn um about 25 meters out and joel and um victor were further left and so you'd almost say you know if they did have eyes on it you'd almost say that they could see where it turned um, better than the actual person who hit the shot now, I'm not uh, agreeing with, because, you know, you've got to be there to see this, but I'm not agreeing with Victor and Joel necessarily, but it just from that point of view, it would, see that it would seem that they had a better point of view. Um, and, you know, the whole, you've got, to, you've got to go and watch it. It's hilarious. Like, I've never taken a bad drop in my life. <clears throat> wow. You know. That I don't even know. It, it just got so defensive. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like it was guilty because of that. Yeah. Okay, so you're a referee and you're sitting on the 16th hole. You're at the back of the green and you're chatting to someone. You didn't see them playing up um, and you're called. Hey, there's a situation just out, you know, just along the 16th hole. And you rock along and Daniel starts talking to you and says, Oh, look, I've gone into the water. I think it's crossed the edge of the penalty area here, but, and then all of a sudden Victor or Joel chimes in, yeah, but it didn't cross there, it crossed back there. You know, what's your next step? You know, you've, you've got these three players in the group. Um, so I'm interested in your perspective now about how do you then tackle that situation when you're, you've clearly got the player, but then you've got one of the two other players, one of which is his marker and um, how do you tackle that? What's your next sort of conversation? What's your next question you would ask the players? Uh, it was interesting. I would go up and say, well, you know, give me the facts. Where'd you hit it from? Where'd the ball actually end up? Uh, how much did you cut it or slice it or was it a straight shot? Where did it sort of start? Uh, if it was, you know, being that it was two on one, I tend to more to side with the two rather than the one. 
Um, you know, they don't really have anything to gain apart from the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they had hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars anyway. Mm. But they don't really have anything to gain by having, you know, no one, no player sort of wants to get into a bit of an argument, but especially, you know, the the other members in the group, it's so easy just to say, it's just, it would have just been so easy to say, yeah, Daniel, that's fine, whatever. And then afterwards go, oh, that was terrible. He didn't drop. You know, that's more likely what would happen, human behaviour. Mm. Um, so I'd probably be more side with the two. Uh, then, but if it was one-on-one, that would be quite tough because then, yeah, you basically, I'd probably be biased. I'd probably be like, oh, not do I like that person better, but just what are my previous dealings with that, with those people? And if you hadn't had any previous dealings with them, you hadn't heard anything about them, you just sort of go, okay, well, the likelihood is this and let's let's go for that spot. I mean, you, you're really just trying to go in the middle between where they each say it is. It was just the fact that it burned round to the left, uh, round to the right, left to right, burned round to the right, um, that it, any sort of more turn or, you know, it was accentuated by extenuated. Um, that might be an either. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, yeah, extended by the fact that um, yeah, it moved round to the right. So, you know, whereas a metre back might have actually ended up being two metres, you know, a metre back uh, more um, turning, slicing, might have actually meant three or four more metres further back crossing. So that, whereas if it was the other way around, it would, it would be a lot easier to, to to distinguish um, where the crossing point was. And of course the commentary at the day, on the day, were doing all their top tracer technology presented by whomever, and you know, showing the red line and they're making their own assessment based on what, even that's not definitive. But I'm wondering, you know, in a lot of sports now, from a video evidence perspective, want to get it right. And they're prepared to wait a little bit of time to just ensure the call is correct. But with, in your situation there on the ground, if you were that referee, I mean, how much longer do you have this conversation for? I mean, you've got a group sitting back midway through this on the 16th fairway waiting to hit that green, being held up as well. Um, how long do we have this discussion for? Because it's Daniel saying this, the other two are saying this. You may have consulted, they may have, you know, watched the video from, the, you know, the, somewhere else in the office somewhere. You know, how are you mindful in the back of your mind about, I really need to wrap this up pretty soon? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought it dragged out a little bit too long. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to upset the player? Well, sometimes that's part of um, being a referee is it's to make, try and make the right call. I mean, at the end of the day, as Gary said, he wasn't there. He didn't see anything. He needs to come in and decide between the, the, the facts that have been given to him by both sides. Um, which is an extremely hard thing to do. You, you just want the players to sort it out because they were there, they saw it. Now, it was it was crazy to me that 
Sawgrass, you know, the players' championship is like the most got the most video cameras, got got the most footage, and yet they missed this. Or they they only had one view of it, or or possibly two. You know, they didn't have an overhead blimp view of it or anything like that, which is which is what you'd sort of were expecting when it. But it it just goes to show you can't have video cameras everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you're trying to wrap it up. I thought it went on a little bit too long, and you just you know he was obviously Daniel wasn't very happy, but how he thought it it crossed way up there is just beyond me. I I have no understanding of this this um, four iron or whatever he hit that went straight for two hundred and then took a right turn into the water like literally a 90 degree turn into the water you know i'd also think at that level you know if it was me playing and i was still able to gain another 50 meters by my reasonable judgment but it should have been 50 that that's a big difference to me but i think at that level i think they're that good that uh, doesn't matter whether he's 100 out or 150 he's still going to probably put it on the green yeah or be very close to it you know not a huge yeah. disadvantage to be 50 metres back. To me, it probably would be, but not to them. Yeah. I mean, it was a tricky pin position stuck out there on the right. Um, you know, he had to play for the middle of the green and hope the slope brought it down. So he was trying to get as close as possible. Um, so maybe it did make a little bit of a difference for him. Mm. But uh, they are, you know, they are the best in the world, but it obviously still affected him. Um, mm. But yeah, very very interesting. I mean, and uh, yeah, if you had two players, what what do you say? Well, I would say split the middle and go in the go in the middle, um, unless it was really, you know, unless you had prior knowledge about the characteristics of the of the people who were playing. No names. Okay, good. Right, we'll move on from that one. Okay. Yeah, I believe you have a situation that happened uh, last week in your in your group. Group, yeah. So I contacted you at the time about this, and of course you knew the answer straight away. Of course, expect nothing less. It was just simply a it was a good situation because I encourage this amongst people to proceed under. You know, we know tw rule twenty is about resolving issues during a round and. Your 20.1 C3 is playing two balls and stroke play when you're not sure how to proceed. And I don't think it happens enough at club level. And we had a situation last week with um, a ball that was pushed long on the 18th hole past the green. And the player was unsure whether it would have been out of bounds or not. So they've played a provisional ball, which has landed just short of the green. They've got up to the original ball and found it and then gone, well, I'm actually still not sure with this, whether this is out of bounds or not. It was right next to the pro shop, next to a cart path. There were some stakes, but it wasn't clear where the next stake was. He says, I'm, re I'm really not sure whether this is OB or not. I'm going to play two balls. I'd actually stressed on the guy, you know, impressed upon the guys, just play two balls. It's better than playing from a wrong place. And, and you get a few extra practice shots, right? So play your two balls. And sure enough, this player did. And because of the very rules about, or well, the situation revolved around whether the ball was out of bounds or not, well, he had played a provisional ball on that very basis of whether that was going to be out of bounds or not. So the question came out 
up about he was going to play two balls. Could he use that provisional that is actually sitting just short of the green as the second ball under 20.1 C3, under playing? Because when you read 20.1 C3, it talks about, you know, you've got the original ball and then you play a second ball. Well, here we've got a case where the second ball is sort of already on the course. It's already sitting there. It's already been hit. So whether you could proceed with that provisional ball as the second ball under that rule. And uh, you can tell us uh, the situation or what the ruling is. So what the interpretation is uh, for playing, using a provisional ball as the second ball under that rule. Yeah, well, I mean, the rule states a second ball played under this rule is not the same as a provisional ball under rule 18.3. So what that's saying is um, you can't drop a ball, you can't drop a ball as a second ball and say this is a provisional. Right. But you can play a provisional as the second ball. So it's the, mm. the in interpretation is that the reverse isn't true. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I just really like, I, this was in the old decisions as well. So that's how, that's why I remembered it, but uh, I just I've never I don't think I've ever actually seen it or heard of it happening. And this is, but you know you'd think that it would happen more. Well, I mean, if a committee set sets the course up properly, it should never happen. Uh, but um, yeah, you, you'd you'd think it would happen more. Remember that um, YouTube video we had with who was it? Um, the guy and it was just on the out of bounds, uh, but they, you know, they got a referee and and they used string to determine that it was out of bounds. But he had hit a provisional, I think, um, straight down the middle of the fairway as all provisionals go. <laughs> and then, um, so they made the ruling there. But you know that that could have been the case of where the referee wasn't there, so they um, they played the two balls, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you think about it, it just makes sense. Like the original ball, you don't know whether it's in or out. Your only other option is to play, you know, if you're playing a second ball, is to play under stroke and distance, which basically that provisional is exactly what stroke and distance that. is. That's mm -hmm. right. So, you know, um, why not just use that as a second ball? It, it just makes it makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense. I agree. Interpretation 20.1C. Six? Three six slash six mm -hmm. is the uh, is the one that tells us. So, oh, it yeah, really no, made cool. a lot of sense. Yeah, it made it's a lot really of sense. Really cool to actually time. hear it happening. Mm. Yeah, but the fact is that provisional ball had been played on that very basis of why you're proceeding with two balls. I mean, yeah, related. Not yeah. as if you're dropping out a GUR and you've already a provisional. Yeah, you know, that would be unrelated. Um, now this is this is an interesting question because you obviously you know it happened. You got back to me or you you asked me about it, but you know, this is way after the facts. Like it's not like you can just ring a hotline and say, <laughs> um, not yet. A, I mean, yeah, that's right. There's a this is a live situation. I mean, you, you kind of can, but who knows if you do get an answer or not. You know, there are there are bodies that are available to, to call, uh, but who knows if they if they, they might be busy, they might be on holiday. Um, so then you've just allowed it in the back of your mind where you're thinking, 
have I done the right thing? Have I done the right thing? So what ended up happening was uh, I was effectively the scorer. I mean, I was getting all the scorecards in and effectively the committee in that sense for the day as I was all week. And as he did, and he did the right thing, you know, in my notes, I said, you know, you got to do it after the uncertain situation arises before you make your next stroke. And even if you, and you've got to nominate a ball, and even if you score the same score with both balls, you still need to report the facts to the committee. So that's exactly what he did when he handed in his card and he explained it all to me. And my immediate thought was, why could you not use that provisional ball as a second ball? I couldn't see a reason why you wouldn't be, why it wouldn't make any sense. And, you know, I know the rules are very specific, but one of the things, I think the rules make a lot of sense as well at times. So I've gone back to what would I think an educated guess, what would the rule rules allow? And my immediate thought was, I couldn't see why you couldn't use that provisional ball as a second ball. And that's what he did. Um, it ended up it was a stable for a round. One of the balls wiped anyway. The other one scored a point. But that was not, it wasn't a stroke round where he came in with an eight and a nine or something like that. But um, yeah, it just made a lot of sense. And then I very quickly, I've actually then gone to 20.1 to read about it, um, got in touch with you, and you've gone bang, there's the answer, of course. And what, so, was oh, the ball, okay, good, that makes sense. Was the ball in bounds or out of bounds? It ended up being out of bounds. Okay. And that was also part of the situation because he's right next to the members' lounge and the balcony, and the guy's looking down, mate, that's out of bounds, you know? And he found out later that was the club president. Oh, right. <laughs> you had been there for X years and knew exactly that it was out of bounds. Um, so it ended up being out of bounds, but it wasn't. That, bring, that, that brings up an interesting situation. If someone tells you that your ball was out of bounds, have you now had a wrong ball? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it, I know no or virtually certain doesn't come down to this particular rule, but I think it comes down to, you know, it'd be the same as another player almost saying, mate, I think that's out of bounds. Yeah, but he may not know any more than you. Um, well, I think, I yeah. think also just, just having a real quick look at it 20.1C3. I mean, if you're uncertain, even if someone, I mean, unless it's a referee or committee member. Yeah, correct. Yeah. If you're uncertain, you're always allowed to play the two balls and stroke play. Right. Yeah, you're right. Unless a referee's standing there saying, no, that's out of bounds or it's in play. And then even then, I, um, yeah, that's interesting. If a referee That's another says, conversation then. Yeah, that's another conversation. If a referee says, um, and then it's proven out later to be wrong. It's that's right. It's a no play zone. You must take relief. Mm. And whether it and can you, be corrected in time. No, um, I reckon it's just normal GUR. I'm going to play it as it lies, and I'm going to drop one under the free relief option or whatever. Um, and the referee's going, no, no, you can't do that. And you go, no, I'm going to do it because I don't, I don't agree with you. <laughs> You'd have to be pretty ballsy to know your rules. I would think to, so. Yes. Um, and then the referees just saying, no, no, no. And then would they, you know, would they penalise if they're playing a wrong ball? <laughs> if, if, I mean, you know, on both situations, if you, if you turned out to be right, well, they couldn't, surely they couldn't penalise you for playing a wrong ball. But if you turned out to be wrong, could they then also penalise you for playing yeah. a wrong ball? Uh, yeah, might, 
Might have to think about that one. Uh, right, I think uh, I think that's uh, a good wrap up so far, Stuart. A good comeback on the on, on the on the comeback <laughs> tour. Blakey is back. But golf rules, well, golf rules questions podcast is back. That's uh, whether it's me or someone else, um, and you obviously joining. Uh, it's early morning here in, uh, in Melbourne, Australia, and we're both here. So, uh, yeah, maybe if we do it, uh, obviously, uh, any, anyone who's watching on YouTube will see that I've lagged the whole time. We should possibly do this live in person, Stuart, and then we won't get the lag. That would be good. But, uh, yeah, I, I I hope everyone's enjoyed episode 55 of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. And if you have any questions, um, shout it out. And we hopefully will get it on the podcast. Golf Rules uh, situations happening all the time. We've, uh, we've definitely got some more coming up as well. Um, we've got stacks of, have been happening and got stacks of videos to get out as well. So, uh, And if you haven't subscribed to the Drop Zone yet, I think what what episode uh, what uh, version issue? Uh, Thirty two this week is coming out. Thirty two this week. And I have to really thank you for uh, being a big motivator and pusher of that because uh, I've I've wanted to do a weekly newsletter, but um, you know, it just takes time. Everything takes. It does time. take time. Yep. Everything takes time these days. Got to give the uh, fans what they want, though, Blakey. Yeah. So if you want to uh, subscribe to the free newsletter. Uh, the drop zone, just send me an email, golfrules.questions at gmail.com uh, or just send me a comment somewhere, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok there, uh, Twitter, anything. Just send me a comment. I'll uh, stick your email in there and get you subscribed to the drop zone. Any uh, further comments, Stuart? That's all good. Good to be back. Yeah, that's right. And without rules, there is chaos. <laughs>